Welcome to Medicare for All Explained. This podcast will enlighten our listeners and dispel the distortions that surround Medicare for All. Medicare for All Explained is produced in collaboration with Physicians for a National Health Program and is hosted and produced by Joe Sparks. I'm your host, Joe Sparks. This is episode 12. When you've got a for-profit system, true care goes out the window. My guest, Jean Ross, is a registered nurse and president of National Nurses United, the largest union and professional association of registered nurses in the United States. Ms. Ross is a passionate advocate for social justice. She grew up in the suburbs of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and has worked at the same medical center, Fairview Southdale Hospital, for 35 years. Ms. Ross was chief steward at her hospital for 20 years, and she played a key role in merging several unions to form National Nurses United in 2009. National Nurses United is a leader and passionate advocate for Medicare for All. Jean Ross, welcome to Medicare for All Explained. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So I'd like to start by asking, what caused you to become a nurse? Well, you might be a little disappointed. I'm not one of those people who knew she wanted to be a nurse from the time she was little. I didn't put Band-Aids on my dolls or my stuffed animals. I honestly wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do after I got out of high school. My sister, my older sibling, was a, a nurse, and she liked it. So I thought, well, I like people, I like sciences and the arts. I thought I'd try it, and it turns out it was the best decision for me because not only did it bring me to a career that I love, but it also brought me into the labor movement. That was going to be my next question. How did you become involved with National Nurses United? Well, the hospital that I started work at and that I spent my career at uh, was already a union hospital in Minnesota. And that didn't mean much to me other than the fact that my parents had always instilled a strong sense of social justice into us. We were raised Catholic, and my dad always said, unions are a good thing. And as I worked there, I saw firsthand that what your employer tells you is not always true, at least not according to my contract. So as I would read my contract and figure things out and go to the employer and file a grievance or whatever, other people noticed that I was doing that, and they suggested that I should be the chief nursing rep for the hospital. So I did that for over 20 years, and then I decided I should probably run for office at the state and then at the national, which is what I did. And at the end of 2009, we formed National Union, National Nurses United, and I became one of the three presidents. And what, in your experience caused you to become a supporter of Medicare for All, and what caused you to think it was necessary that we move to a Medicare for All system? Well, if I think back to how long I've been in favor of a plan like Medicare for All, it feels like it's forever. Maybe even before I was a nurse, it just seemed to make sense to me that the way we do things is wrong. When I first started nursing, it didn't seem quite so bad the way our country is set up to be working in a for-profit system. 
but the way it's affected my patients and their families' lives and my own, I soon became convinced that this is something that has to be. And everyone said, well, that'll take forever or it'll never happen. And I thought, well, if that's the truth, that's going to take a long time. We better get started. So luckily for me, when we formed our union at that point, more than half of us had already been working toward a single-payer plan that would cover everyone in this country. We decided to call it Medicare for All because Medicare is something that everyone in this country loves and can understand how it works, and I guess the rest is history. So what particularly in your experience has led you to support it? Can you cite examples that you have had or that patients have had or even doctors have had? Oh, certainly. I can say I've had a number of patients who, when I first started nursing, it was easy. You would take care of them in the hospital. The doctors would come and discharge them and give them a prescription and tell them when to come back and who to see. And that didn't seem to be a big issue. As the years went on, more and more often, I would hear things like, okay, this is the pill that you want me to take. What does it cost? Does my insurance cover it? And, of course, the doctor doesn't know. Most of the time, the nurses don't know either. That's another category of people you have to go through. And I thought, this is a lot of rigmarole. Um, The older the patient was, the harder it was for them to understand and deal with it. I ended up toward the end of my career here on the IV team, which means we place intravenous short-term and long-term catheters. I had a patient who was supposed to have what we call a portacath for chemo and some very caustic medications into the vein. You wouldn't, you could, but you would not want to put them through the veins in your arms because they pretty much what we call fry the vein uh, and the vein will be useless after that. So we put them in a deeper vein in the chest, and then that device stays in there for when you need it next. Well, this lady explained to me that her insurance was really poor and that she didn't want to bankrupt her family. So even though it was worse for her veins in her arms, she was going to go the old-fashioned route and not have this put in. So we did. We put the medication through the veins in her arms, and what ended up happening was She had a downturn in her health. She came in. They wanted to do a CAT scan with dye. We could not find a vein to put it in in her arm. And dye is just very quick. You put the IV in, they give the dye, they flush it, and you're done. You can take it out. But she had no veins left in her arm. In the end, the poor woman ended up with that portacath in her chest anyway. And to this day, I have no idea how she got it paid for. Perhaps at that point, her insurance company said, okayed it because there were no veins left in her arms. But that shouldn't have been. That was not the standard of care. Not at all. And so because she couldn't do it, I assume it cost more money based on what happened. Well, you had all of the catheters that we used as we tried and tried to use up the veins in her arm, in addition to the cost of putting in the cat that she had to have eventually. So she had to go through the poking and the poking, which she shouldn't have had to go through, and ended up with what she should have had in the first place, and the worry about whether or not she would have to pay for it on her own. Have you seen that people having trouble paying for things has increased in recent years? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We have people will come right out and ask us and they'll tell us before they'll tell the doctor and that's pretty typical. They're they're more open with nurses for whatever reason, perhaps because we're with them 24-7 and the doctor comes and goes. They will say, I, you know, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I didn't want to come into the hospital. Uh, there was so much of a copay for me to even go into the office. I had trouble coming up with that. I'm going to miss work now and I'm not even sure they'll keep my job for me. I have been cutting my pills in half, and we will nicely explain to them that might have been what led to their blood pressure crisis because the dose is the dose you're supposed to be taking. But if you can't afford it, they come up with solutions on their own. One of them is taking a pill every other day or cutting it in half. They're choosing between groceries, they tell us, and their medication, their rent, their house payment. People are not able to afford. We often say, oh, good, at least they have insurance. Well, you better look at what kind of insurance, because when you have to pay anything at the point of care, co-pays go anywhere from 15 to $75, depending on what kind of a plan you have, and high, high deductibles, which means it comes out of your pocket, not the insurance company. You've got insurance you can't afford to use. Yes, that's a big problem right now. Well, I think there's a problem because people often equate health insurance with health care. And as you just said, you can have health insurance but still not be able to afford medical care. And that's correct. And that's one of the big problems that we have right now. When you've talked to other nurses, what do they say? They say that the beginning of their career, if they're of an age like myself, it was much easier to care for patients than it is now. We get orders from physicians. Work in the hospital and clinics is hierarchical. You take orders from a doctor. You go and do probably what the doctor says, unless there's something wrong with what he said or she said. And you give the information to the patient. You do the treatment that is ordered. And hopefully they get better and you send them home. Well, now because of, not just because of healthcare being so expensive, but because of our social policies, you have more and more people that perhaps can't return when they're supposed to. So for example, if I say you should see your doctor in a week, they may be living out of their car. They don't know where they'll be in a week, that kind of thing. So you've got that. Plus, as I said, they might not be able to afford to come in because they can't afford the copay. I mean, there was a reason they came in through the emergency room in the first place. This kind of quasi-care, this sham care of really caring about the patients, the nurses care. I can tell you that we do, and most physicians do too. But profit is everything. When you've got a for-profit system, True care goes out the window, and that's what's hard for us nurses to see. You've seen the care disintegrate over the years. I've seen over years insurance companies try to cut costs, but they're at the rock bottom now. The only way they can cut costs anymore is to deny care, and that is what they were doing. When I would get an order from a doctor years ago, there wasn't any question of, oh, we better check that out. Maybe the insurance company won't okay that. The clinician, the doctor or the nurse practitioner who would, with the patient, would decide what was best for them. Not some insurance company paper pusher whose job it was to deny care. 
It's just wrong. It's inhumane. We can do better. Other countries do. We should be able to, too. Do you find that nurses have to spend a lot of time questioning billing? How does that work? Well, it does put extra steps in. I mean, you will be starting on a plan of care, and then someone will come up and tell you, somebody usually from the business office, their insurance won't cover that. Then you got to get a hold of the doctor and say, is there something else we can use instead? They won't cover this one. Then you have to go back and explain to the patient and family why they can't have that. The doctor says, no, actually it does have to be that particular prescription or that particular treatment. And the doctor has to appeal. I mean, the patient at this point might have to go home and wait for the appeal to be done. And that's not optimal for them. So, yes, it does take much more time than it used to take for us. Have you noticed a difference dealing with patients who are on Medicare and patients who have private health insurance? Yes. Patients who have Medicare remark over and over, thank God for Medicare. But even they have to have supplemental policies. Because over the years, Medicare has changed, too, and taken sort of a, a bent for a profit system. So you've got to get yourself another plan in addition to Medicare, which covers the hospital. And most of that is drug coverage that you're seeking, and that can be quite expensive. So the older people are, the less paperwork and billing they have to deal with because of Medicare. When we talk about Medicare for All, we always talk about a new and improved Medicare for All. Medicare now is different than what we are recommending. So vision would be covered, dental would be covered, hearing would be covered, that kind of thing. It does need some improvement, but everybody is very fond of their Medicare. So older people really like the single-payer Medicare system that we currently have, even though it needs improvements. Absolutely. If you talk to the vet, our VA system is single-payer. They love their care. There's a reason it's a single-payer system and it works well. And I think people sometimes give short shrift to part of what's nice about Medicare, which is, as I mentioned, the lesser billing, the not receiving bills. As you age, that becomes more and more complex and difficult for people. Shopping for health care is complex and is very stressful. I mean, here you are, you've already got something wrong that you need to seek a physician. And you're stressed out because of the billing and what it might cost. I think if you remember years ago with the rise of the Tea Party, what did you see on the sign? Even people who didn't have a clue that it was a government program because they said they hated the government had signs saying, keep your hands off my Medicare. It is, of course, a government program, but people love it, even very, very conservative people. Yes, what I have found in talking to people is that there are people who say, oh, I can't wait to get on Medicare, and that they have been waiting to get on Medicare to get care that they know they need. We have seen nurses in particular. Nursing is literally backbreaking work. And we have nurses who are somewhat disabled, back injuries and other orthopedic injuries, and, and would love to quit a little bit earlier. But they're, they're holding on, holding on until they can get Medicare because they couldn't afford it otherwise. Well, you bring up an interesting point. Some people stay at their jobs because they feel they need the health insurance. And Correct. If you talk about entrepreneurship, one of the best things we could do for entrepreneurship is to have a Medicare for all system. Absolutely. 
that gets into the economics of it. How much time do you think would be saved if you didn't have to deal with the for-profit insurance companies and we had just the Medicare for All system? Oh, hours would be saved for the clinicians. Absolutely hours. And it would for patients and their families too. I can tell you I'm of the sandwich generation and taking care of billing for myself, my husband, helping my daughter with the grandchildren, which she can't understand, taking care of my parents' needs and explaining what the billing says to them, each sheet that they get, not the Medicare stuff, but the supplemental plan. That takes a lot of time. And as I said earlier, it's very stressful. I don't know if you heard this, but there was a famous researcher in healthcare, Juve Reinhardt. He was one of the premier researchers. And he described how to buy health insurance this way. Decide what diseases you are going to have for the coming year. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Decide what... <laughs> and plan ahead. Yeah. Find the best hospitals and doctors that treat those diseases. Find an insurance plan that covers those doctors and hospitals. And if you can't find an insurance plan that covers those doctors and hospitals then go back to the first step and pick different diseases. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was tongue-in-cheek, but he was also being serious in a way because he saw the problem. We believe that healthcare is a basic human right. It is not a commodity. And that's why it doesn't lend itself to what he's talking about. Plus, even if you're the best at planning ahead, you can have an emergency. Anybody can. You end up in an emergency room. They tell you to do whatever the appropriate treatment is, including surgery. And you may end up getting a bill because someone who treated you, even though you were at the facility that was in your network, wasn't in your network like the anesthesiologists say, or some lab that did your lab work. So even when you try to keep on top of things, it's insidious. It's very sly how they can get you. So even when you're best at planning and, and trying to prevent huge costs for yourself, you can't always do it. That's the kind of system we have. Yes. The more I study it, the more I think it's an insane system. It doesn't make sense. It costs us money. It's inhumane. People hate it. And yet, we have to push and push and push to change it. What arguments annoy you the most against Medicare for All, the false arguments that are being pushed? Well, I heard one the other day at a hearing. It was, Americans love their health insurance plans. People do have feelings about their health insurance company, but it tends more toward hatred than love. They love their doctor. They may love their nurse practitioner, the nurses who come into their homes, but not a one of them loves their insurance company. They do not. Choice. Right now, you can choose where you go. If you had a single-payer system, the government would tell you what doctor you had to see. Right now, I don't know about you, but I know about myself and most people that have insurance. Their insurance company tells them where they can get a doctor where they can get their practitioner. You don't have a choice. Oh, you'll have to wait forever in line. I live in Minnesota. It's fairly decent here, but given 
what you're ailing with. If it's not an emergency, you'll have to wait. They're just old wives' tales. They're not accurate. And most of us have figured that out. Yes. And the fact is that at least the two main Medicare for All proposals, Senator Sanders' plan and Representative Jayapal's plan, they allow you to go to whatever doctor or hospital you want. So you would actually have more choice under those plans. Yes, true choice. Medicare for All would give you really true choice. Oh, I like that. True choice. That's really good. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, I will use that again. Sure. Before we end, is there anything that you'd like to add? Well, I think what we are doing in our union is continuing to educate and garner support for a mass movement. As I said earlier, we have to keep pushing. So if people would like to get involved, and we have found a lot of people do, you can go to MedicareForAll.org, and that's Medicare, the number four, and then all. So that was MedicareForAll with the number four, dot org. Correct. And they'll set you up with someone in your area. We're doing town halls. We're going door to door, talking to people. We're doing events. And people are getting very, very excited about what they can do to help. Well, for many people, it would just be a godsend. I mean, it's just incredible the pain and suffering that's going on now. And nurses are on the front lines. I imagine that you see that. We do. We see it all the time. And it doesn't have to be this way. In many cases, it's heartbreaking. And it's just so, so wrong. We are the richest country on the planet still so far. When we put our minds to it, we can figure this out. We can model it on Medicare and go from there. I would tell people to be be wary of Medicare-like plans, Medicare for some. It's very, very important that it cover everybody. We can do it. Yes, it costs a lot, but... Right now, it costs too much for us to afford, and we're not covering everyone. Yes, and almost all the estimates I've seen have shown that Medicare for All will cost less than our current health care system. That's correct. But even if it costs the same, we cover everybody, we get rid of co-pays, co-insurance, and deductibles, and medical care becomes affordable. So we could actually treat everybody, and that's important for people to realize. You get better value. Actually, you get better value at lower cost. That's correct. Absolutely correct. So would you have anything else you want to add? No, just that it's an idea whose time has come. We talk to people all over the country. It appears to be a nonpartisan issue. It appears to be a non-gender issue. And the youth understand it, and think it would be a good idea, too. Jean Ross, thank you so much for being on Medicare for All Explained. You're very welcome. You have been listening to Medicare for All Explained. Information about this podcast can be found at our website, medicareforallexplained.org. The music for this show is Super Bubbly by Jesse Spillane. The logo was created by Lily Sparks. Thank you for listening.